0: Cash, not trash, a shift in fear. Death ceiling debate. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We got a lot going on. Let's get right to it. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. Dave is our President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. So we had a down day on Friday, but an up week. And so that was good news, even though we ended on kind of a downer as the Democrats and Republicans have hit an impasse.
2: Well, on the NASDAQ for the first time in 18 months made a new all time high this week. Small cap stocks bounced as well. And, you know, in light of all all. All of the negativity concerning the recessionary fears and inflation and the like, the market has really been resilient.
1: And you talk about, you know, we're talking about NASDAQ stocks and really the big S&P 500 companies really are determinant of where we are up over 8% for the year. But you take those big names out and it's a different story.
2: Right. If you take out the companies that are most directly affected by artificial intelligence, the S&P 500 is down 2% for the year. And this is, you know, Dave, you often say I'm a reform mutual fund manager. But when you think about it, the retail investors, has an advantage. If you're a mutual fund manager and you don't own those big stocks, those big large cap growth stocks, and you're a growth manager, you're going to get fired. And
1: you think about you know where we have been with quantitative easing and all that free money, and now we have quantitative tightening. And really what that is, I know we've talked about that a lot, but the Federal Reserve has a balance sheet, and now they were, were building up this balance sheet to more than $9 trillion. And now they're letting that balance sheet roll off. In other words, as these bonds come due, they're just not renewing those. So that is really kind of a tightening process at the same time. But the reason why I bring it up is because all of this free money has come to an end.
2: Right. And the the thing with this debt ceiling is adding a new wrinkle to that. Because the Treasury is not able to issue Treasury securities and raise capital, they're having to spend down their cash account. And that is injecting liquidity, which for the most part right now is offsetting what the Fed is trying to do. That will change once the debt ceiling deal is passed.
1: You know, we talk a lot about what the Fed was doing, of course, and that they were buying mortgage-backed securities, you know, about two-thirds were treasuries and about one-third were mortgage-backed securities. And that is going to be an issue, of course, because people need to refinance for those to be in a market in that space as well. And so that, I think that could be an issue down the road.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I saw today that mortgage payments on the median home hit an all-time high today of twenty-five sixty-six a month. So houses are not affordable. There's a lack of inventory. Many people are handcuffed because they've got great uh, mortgage rates and they don't want to move unless they can do a cash deal, of course. So younger folks who are trying to, you know, buy their first home are having a very difficult time. You know, Danny, you talked about
1: cash is not trash. That is really the story. And we all remember the banking crisis that kind of brewed up about a month ago. And, you know, it really wasn't, uh, you know, the old days of a bank run. Because of the fact that people could sit on their phones, and that's really what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. Forty-two billion dollars came out in 24 hours, and nobody stood in line at the bank. They did it over the phone. What we're seeing now, Derek, is a bank walk. I like to say because people are taking their money out and finding higher interest rates other places.
2: Right. I mean, when you think about it, the long-term expectation for the S&P is about nine percent per year. Well, a six-month T-bill yields about five, so you take no risk and you you earn two-thirds of the return you get on the S&P 500, and perhaps when, when the dust settles and maybe after we have a recession or when they're, we're in the midst of one, then you you know reload, you sell that T-bill, and you go in and buy stocks on sale.
1: Now, we're not trying to tell you that you should time the market, but there certainly is the days of just buying the S&P 500 exchange-traded fund and setting it and forgetting it are really kind of moving away from us, and you're really going to have to start doing some work if you're doing this on your own, or if your advisor has just put it in a set-it-and-forget-it portfolio. We do think the thesis has changed.
2: Right. I mean, one of the one of the key cogs in our team, Jason Cooper, does a fabulous job listening to conference calls, digging in on the details, looking, doing credit analysis, trying to figure out whether companies that don't make money will survive or those that do will have the free cash flow in order to build their operations, do M&A and grow in the future.
1: So that is the reason why we talk about this, folks. And when we say the thesis has changed, it really means you need to go through that portfolio and you should understand what you own why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And these are really important times to go through this. We do think we're going to have a bumpy week and a bumpy quarter, especially as this debt ceiling debacle begins to heat up.
0: Derek Felske, our chief investment officer, Dave Spano, our president and CEO. Derek mentioned the investment committee, Dave, and you have built that team pretty solid, including our own Brian Jacobson, who was on CNBC on What's their noon show? Their their noon show on Thursday. Yeah, which, he was know. on
1: He was on that. He was on Fox. He was on Shudder TV. Yeah.
0: Our Week in Review, always available on demand. Spotify at the top of the hour, the Axiom Newsletter, wherever you get your podcasts. Sunday, May 21st, Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox
3: News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management, one team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com.
0: We're back. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. That's what Annex Wealth Management does as a fee-only fiduciary. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Our chief investment officer in the studio is Derek Felsky. Dave Spano, president and CEO.
1: You know, we get a lot of questions uh, throughout the week, and it's really a good time to share some of those. And, of course, a lot of questions about the banking crisis. And we saw on Friday afternoon that Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, said she's not opposed to J.P. Morgan getting bigger. And what that really means is there may be some more banks that JP Morgan may have to pick up.
2: Right. I mean, we have, I mean, the number of banks is dramatically reduced. I think it was 9,000 about 20 years ago. It's down to about 4,000 now. But the thing about our banking system that's kind of unique is when you're a local business, you like to work with a local banker. You don't want to work with one of the big four as a headquarters in New York. So there is strength in that. And that, and that could potentially lead to a bit of a credit crunch, if, we, if you will, if more and more of these smaller regional banks are gobbled up by the big guys like JP Morgan and Bank America.
1: So we're going to certainly watch that. And is
2: there a banking crisis? No, but as
1: I alluded to earlier, we think there was probably a bank walk versus a bank run. In other words, people taking their money out of low-yielding instruments and putting them in an opportunity, as Derek pointed out, to treasuries that is between 4 and 5%. So we'll watch that carefully. And the other big story that we're certainly getting a lot on is AI. You can't turn around and not hear about ChatGPT or what AI is doing. And that really is the reason why we saw a lot of these tech
2: stocks run year to date. Right. You can now get the ChatGPT app on your iPhone and soon you'll be able to get it your Android. So I'm sure that's going to spur more interest in this phenomenon. The thing about it is that, yes... In the long run, it will enhance productivity for companies. It will certainly enhance uh, the balance sheets of some of the companies that are most exposed to AI. But again, what valuation are willing to pay and over what time frame? Because these stocks are very volatile. I remember in 1999 when Jeff Bezos was the man of the year and they talked about you know, online retailing and how big that was going to get. Well, the stock... 18 months later was down 94%.
1: You know, I do remember, of course, when you were running a tech fund back around 99, 2000, not a great time to be a tech fund manager. And that's the reason why I say what I say about a recovering fund manager. But of course you think about also about pets.com, you talk about Amazon, but pets.com, it was the pets.com Bowl, And of course uh, they went away quickly after that. But the idea that AI is at the forefront is probably true. And we're going to see some things, but it may be a little bit early until we get some regulation around
2: it. Right and and so one thing I would I would advise investors if they're trying to play that theme picks and shovels is a good way to go. So look for companies that actually make the products or the semiconductors that can power the need for more power, whether it's a memory producer, a GPU producer, the rest. But pay attention to valuations because these stocks are volatile. Uh, they're not going to see these earnings hits in the near term. They're going to see them, you know, two, three, four, five years away. Just be careful because a lot of times there's hype, but not much substance.
1: So you go into the summer and we're going to see some volatility and we certainly the most expected recession in our careers, which means there's probably an opportunity set as well. Anytime you see everyone afraid of one, things maybe it's not large cap domestic equities but there certainly is opportunities down capitalization what i mean by that is small caps perhaps even international and fixed income are places to look
2: well as an example if you think about international companies and what they might be able to do with ai a lot of these companies trade at much lower valuations than we do in the us they trade it, they offer much higher dividend yields and they're going to benefit like this just like everyone else will so you know international equities continue to be a theme of ours from a tactical perspective We've recently added some exposure there, and we believe the valuation opportunities are are really strong.
1: I did a presentation this week, and we do do that. If that's something that you want, uh, reach out to us. We're often doing these presentations, but one of the things, Derek, that I said which was important is don't anchor yourself of what could happen at the end of 23 or to 24. Look through that. See through that six months, one year, three years out. That's going to give you the best opportunity set going forward. And folks, I can't say it enough. Know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it, and make sure it's part of a full-scale wealth management plan.
0: Derek Felske, our Chief Investment Officer. Thanks for jumping on. My pleasure. Dave, do you you think that uh, AI is going to be bigger than 5G? <laughs> I, I mean, tongue in cheek. Remember how big 5G and yeah. it was going to change everything. Well, you know, right?
1: it's one of those things that the technology and you know, as Derek pointed out, I remember when they held up iPhone number one and you know, people yeah. scoffed at it. But look, look at it now around the world and what the technology that that has brought
0: what Annex Wealth Management does is investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. Use the entire team. It's deep. It's smart. It's capable. It's ready. Head to our website. It's the Get Started button. That's what you want to click on the weekend. No matter where you are in your investment and retirement journey, we're ready to meet you where you are. We're going to take a break and be back with that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.
4: If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you fix looks like a nail. Same thing goes for some annuity salesman. Need help with tax planning? Maybe you need an annuity. Recession coming? Have you tried annuity? Retirement planning? You get the picture. Sometimes you need more than a one-tool solution. It's time for serious, fee-only fiduciary planning from Annex Wealth Management. Our in-house team of experts will offer you a rigorously tested plan built just for you. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference.
0: Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We took a call recently on a radio show, and the caller was a couple of years away from retirement. And he asked an interesting question. Basically, it was, so when should I get in and talk with you guys? If I remember correctly, he was like 62, something
5: like that. Right, Mark Beck? Yeah, that was a good call. And I remember my answer there was, you should be starting to build this relationship as soon as you're ready. And what do I mean by ready? When you're ready for advice, and I think that's important. So wherever you are, when you get to that spot where you're thinking about, should I be getting some advice, that is the spot to be starting. Mark Beck is Managing
0: Director of Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management. When I heard that, I thought about where he was on the path and how we'd have a different planning process with him than, say, somebody in their 30s or 40s, or maybe somebody in their 70s. And that is custom and comprehensive wealth management and
5: planning, right? It certainly is. Other people would answer that you should start as early as possible. And I think the problem with that answer is some people aren't ready. So when you're younger, maybe you're not thinking about it big picture. You should be starting to save, but maybe you're not ready for advice. So across that spectrum, though, planning can look different. At Annex Wealth Management, we'll meet you where you're at,
0: and it's different for everybody. Mark, let's say somebody engages Annex Wealth Management in their 30s or
5: 40s. What is our process with them? So, 30s and 40s, what we're looking for here is starting to establish habits and targets. So, it's a little bit harder to talk to somebody that's you know, 40 years old and say, OK, pin down exactly when you're going to retire and exactly what you need for living expenses. Because they're thinking, All of these things are going to change so much between now and maybe when I'm 65 years old. But what we can do is back into that and say, here's what you're on track for right now. And if you want the target to look a little bit different, then we need to make some adjustments. So effective use of resources, establish great savings habits, make sure that we're investing well, make sure that you know what you're on track to accomplish over time, and think about big picture goals. That's kind of where you want to be in your 30s and 40s. Okay. Next
0: step, somebody's in their 50s. They've been working longer. Their kids might be in college. Retirement
5: is looming in the distance, but not so far away. You know, 50s is where we start to think about what's next. What are the things I've been missing or what can I do that's beyond... The basics I have been accomplishing. So we might have a little bit more income. We might be moving beyond just max funding 401ks, for example, and start to build some additional investment savings elsewhere. You know, you're probably executing on college strategies at this point and getting people kind of through that and making sure that the family is you know successful and financially secure and in you know, those kinds of things. And so now those targets are becoming a little bit more tangible. But again, we're building a little more sophistication into how we're building the nesting. Then let's
0: get to that caller who was just a couple of years away from retirement. Somebody comes to us at that point in their life. How is it different or what are we
5: working on with them? It starts to feel like it's all coming together at this point. So now we're building sort of the transition plan. Okay, so I'm a couple of years from retirement Where's my income gonna come from? What do I need to do to prepare? What are some of the decision making points I'm going to need to hit on how do I get ready for those kinds of things? Are there different sequences of events that I can put together that are gonna you know, benefit me, that are gonna help move the needle in my favor? And that's everything from which accounts I'm gonna count on first, to the tax planning ramifications of that, to preparing for health insurance and where it comes from, and of course to preparing for things like making good social security decisions. Mark Beck is Managing
0: Director, Wealth Management Services at Annex Wealth Management. We meet our clients where they're at. And I know we work with new clients who are already retired. What happens when that happens? And there's maybe an existing plan from somewhere else or maybe because of poor service or lack of connection,
5: they come to us or maybe not a plan at all. You know, oftentimes not a plan at all. We do see that. Uh, you know, It has happened occasionally where someone has been getting some financial planning advice. They're looking for something a little bit deeper or more engaging than sort of the superficial level that maybe they've been experiencing. It, it's easy for us when you've got your current financial plan because all the data, mm-hmm. the inputs basically are right there. So that's sort of the raw materials we can take that and really start to work with it. But moving the needle in terms of doing the math in this type of situation, you're already retired. Are you really thinking about planning ahead for, you know, the tax ramifications of required distributions? You know, the charitable aspect of things like qualified charitable distributions, you know, all of that really becomes, you know, so important in that phase. And if you're already retired, folks, don't think it's too late at all. We want to see you. Oh, absolutely. and Even in those retirement years, there are so many really cool things that we help people with that are impactful. And that's beyond just, by the way, managing the investment portfolio. A big part of what we do, steer manage and help people towards best outcome, which means help manage your kind of psychology of investing. How do we do that? Build the framework around it well in advance of market volatility. So, protect liquidity, for example. Where does the short-term money come from? Build the income buckets. Make sure you stay focused on the growth, where the growth needs to be. And therefore, no anxiety around market volatility.
0: My dad came to Annex in his 80s. He had moved back to be near my sister and I, and I felt it was
5: important to have a fiduciary working on his stuff. That isn't uncommon either. No, it's not. And actually, that one, I would say, is becoming more and more common. Oftentimes, by the way, this is clients that you know, are in those retirement years, and now they're bringing their parents, and they're saying, hey, can you help? This is a really satisfying area for me in particular to work. A couple of reasons. Number one, Because they're working with a fiduciary, we can really help them kind of stay out of harm's way. This is where there's the possibility of making really bad mistakes or being taken advantage of. You don't want that to happen. And number two, the peace of mind that comes with somebody helping them consolidate, clean up, organize, know what's going on, know where things are headed, and therefore being prepared for the transitions that are going to come at some point in our lives.
0: We want to meet you where you're at for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button and start the wealth metric process. Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management but want to skip the computer? No problem. Call us, 239-350-6363. 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. Know the difference? This is a team segment, deeding a home to somebody. Easy peasy, right? Well, maybe not. Jill Martin's our estate planning attorney at Annex. She heads our estate planning team, and she's joined us to talk about this. Hello, Jill. Hi, Danny. For starters, what's the typical reason someone would deed a property to somebody else? And first off, I should say, is deeding basically you're giving ownership to the other person?
6: Yes. So that's a good point, right? If if we're transferring real estate from one person to another, that's done through a deed, right? That's recorded with the Register of Deeds office that shows when title passes from one person to another.
0: Who are these amazing people that give things away like this?
6: Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of people do, especially when we're talking about having a second property up north or a vacation home somewhere, right? That's a legacy asset that a lot of times people want to make sure stays in the family. What happens is there's more than just doing the deed to get the house transferred to someone else. So this is not like a
0: DIY project that involves a little bit of paperwork and somebody that knows how to do that.
6: It it does involve paperwork. And if it's something where you're in the real estate industry and you do this a lot, Sure, you could do it yourself. Generally, what you need to do is a deed. There's a variety of different types of deeds, though, so you're going to need to know which type of deed you're doing. Then there's also going to be a transfer tax return, which it's called a real estate transfer tax return in Wisconsin, where you're paying a tax to transfer that property. Some don't have a fee, some do, so you're going to have to be familiar with that process. And then the other complicating factor is, is, is there still a mortgage or home equity line on that property? Because the bank is not going to just let you transfer it to whoever you want if you're still on the hook for a liability attached to that.
0: Okay, my DIY project means changing a, a faucet. I'm not doing something like that. That sounds difficult. So is deeding a property to somebody else, does that mean it's it, is it viewed as a gift? Is this a transaction?
6: It, it can be. It absolutely can be. Unless you are getting paid for whatever you're giving to another person it's a gift, right? So if I have a piece of real estate that's worth $100,000 and I'm going to put you on the deed as a co-owner with me, I'm making a gift of $50,000 worth of value to you unless you pay me that 50000 right? So that's actually a legal gift when we just add people on to title. And so that's where things get really, really complicated that we have to be very cautious about what are we doing and why.
0: This is more of a question for our tax team, but could you just like sell it for a dollar? I've seen that.
6: So, unfortunately, that's still a gift because you're selling it at less than fair market value. So, again, if I went out on the street and found someone to buy that house for me, right, I'm going to get fair market value for that. So, if I sell it to somebody for a dollar, that's an implied gift because I didn't get full market value for it. So,
0: so somebody's thought of this before. I'm they just, have, I'm and the
6: IRS has caught people on this. <laughs> yes. So
0: Jill Martin's our estate planning attorney at Annex. We're talking about deeding property to somebody else. I've got to guess that you've seen cases where it's done it improperly, and somebody needs to go in and clean it up.
6: Well, it, it, improperly, or maybe without all of the thought process that goes behind. What are the ramifications of this gift? A lot of times we see this in a scenario where mom and dad want to protect the house from a long-term care event. So they don't want to have to sell their house to pay for long-term care, right? So what do they do? They transfer the house to their three kids and they still get to live in it. Okay, that might not be a bad idea, but there are tax consequences that come along with that, especially if it gets more and more complicated the more kind of bells and whistles we try and put on that transaction. So just giving the house to your kids so that you're protected, we have to watch for the five-year look-back period for Medicaid, we have to watch... Is that gift really included in mom and dad's estate or not? Because if not, they don't, then the kids don't get what we call that step up in basis when mom and dad die. So if the kids turn around and sell that house, there's capital gain implications that come along with it. So just deciding that you're going to deed the property over to your kids comes with a lot of other things that we need to think about. It's not as simple as it sounds.
0: So there's a clean or best way to do this. And I'm guessing that anybody that's considering that, you got to put a team to to work because it affects a portfolio. It affects tax status, I guess, in certain ways. And you got to have a capable estate attorney. Your usual advice is, let's just start at the beginning.
6: Yeah. Usually when people are starting to contemplate planning, whether it's Medicaid protection planning or it's that second vacation home that they want to get to the next generation now it's important to make sure we're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. So we want to talk to an estate planning attorney and even maybe an, a real estate attorney to make sure we're doing it in the most tax efficient manner, but also to make sure that we're doing it legally appropriately so that we don't have issues that come up later.
0: And it's not like we're trying to throw a bunch of different attorneys into the room. We're just trying to do it right.
6: Correct. Right. And, and what happens is, is if, if you do this by yourself, it can get messy. And then to your point, there's all of a sudden unintended ramifications that come down the line for family members way after the fact.
0: Oh, I'm a big fan of hiring a pro. (laughs) That's for sure. Thank you. This is good. Jill Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management, talking about deeding property to somebody else. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome, Danny. In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to, quote, take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. Annex is a fee-only fiduciary. More planning, less miracles. Know the difference. Annexwealth.com. Time for Ask Annex. As always, get a question for us. You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. And as always, if we can help you, just click that Get Started button. Sarah Kyle's in the studio, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hello. Hello, Danny. Matt Morsey is Investment Team Manager. Welcome. Hey, Danny. Our first one is from Ken. Thanks for the show. I always enjoy listening. You speak often of Roth IRAs and Roth conversions. When is a Roth IRA not a good idea?
7: Deciding when to open one and when to do Roth conversions takes some planning. The Roth IRAs are primarily designed to be long-term retirement savings vehicles. So I wouldn't suggest opening one with money that you need within five years because that growth will be taxed. You can take out contributions to a Roth IRA tax-free anytime, but that Roth needs to be open five years before growth comes out tax-free as well.
0: Next up is from Ted. Should I be invested in all 11 sectors?
8: Yeah, it's a great question. and something that we talk about a
7: lot internally
8: within the investment committee. You know, when we look at the different sectors that are out there, you really do want exposure to all of them. Because not only do you want the exposure, because you don't know what's going to do well necessarily over different time frames. You know, take energy for an example. Energy fell down to as low as about 2% of the s and a couple of years ago, but it's now been the best performing sector over the last two years, and it's back to almost 5%. You know, so those weightings ebb and flow over time, so you really don't want to stay away from them. But also just the effect of staying away from a sector or two might mean that you're way over concentrated in another area that of the market, too, that you you don't want to. It's another risk to look at. Is there always a dog somewhere in the 11? It's always something. There's always okay. something that's outperforming, and something that's under. But you certainly want to watch out to make sure that you're not in the wrong ones there.
0: It's Ask Annex. Next up, Anonymous. What's a mutual fund tax bomb? How do I avoid it?
8: Yeah, mutual fund tax bomb is essentially the idea that those funds are pooled investments from a lot of different investors. And somebody eventually has to get taxed on the capital gains that happen within those mutual funds. The fund itself doesn't. So what they do is at the end of the year, they see everyone that owns it and they distribute that capital gain out if there is any. So if you're holding the mutual fund in a taxable account, you're gonna all of a sudden get a distribution near the end of the year and it's your share of those gains. So, but it's taxable to you. Now, a lot of times you're reinvesting those capital gain distributions back into it. So you're really not even seeing that money, but you still owe the taxes on it. So that's what they really refer to as a tax bomb. So the way to avoid it, in my opinion, is to make sure that you know what you own and where you own it. So whether it's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, a lot of times you want to have actively managed funds in those types of accounts and maybe hold an ETF in the taxable account so you don't have that capital gain distribution.
7: Yeah. So we saw in 2021, right? Lots of big distributions, capital gains distributions, not so much last year. Um, You can also avoid those fees by not purchasing the funds right before the distribution date. And then you can also consider tax efficient funds.
8: Yeah, exactly. ETFs, tax managed mutual funds, making sure you know when you're buying into a mutual fund are all great ideas to avoid that.
0: Next question on Ask Annex is anonymous. Is paying extra on my mortgage a way of investing? I say it is. My coworkers disagree.
7: Well, paying off your mortgage early can be seen as a form of investing, but I would say it's more along the lines of financial planning. You made the investment when you purchased the house. How and when you pay it off is more along the lines of financial planning.
0: Next up on Ask Annex, it's Anonymous. Last week, you said passive funds might be only rebalanced once a year. Did I hear that correctly?
8: Yeah, certainly. And it really depends on what type of passive vehicle that you have. Now, keep in mind that key word there is passive. So it's not an active manager trying to beat an index. They're just trying to match the index. So they're really only going to make changes when the index does. And a lot of them only do make changes to that index by adding new stocks or taking away stocks or bonds once a year. And in that case, that ETF is going to duplicate that. They're going to go ahead and make that change. Now, some funds are like equal weighted funds, and they might do it quarterly because they need to trim off the gains and then buy some of the ones that, that have lost during that time period to keep that equal weight in mind. But if you have a market cap index and you have a stock that keeps going up, it's never gonna sell because it's trying to match what that index is.
0: I got a question. I'm seeing a ton and hearing a ton of ads for precious metals and you can buy the coins, you can buy the ingots or whatever they are, you can buy shares. What's the way you usually see it done?
7: Well, we usually recommend actually buying the miners not the physical gold, because you think about it, what if you bought a ton of gold bars where do you store them? Or if you pay somebody to store them for you, there's high fees involved. So you typically see a lot of commercials when there's volatility in the market. You see all the silver commercials, the gold commercials, they aren't giving you those coins and those bars or whatever for free. There's always a fee associated with them. So just be wary of that. And I would just say the most convenient way would be to play it via the miners. How do you feel, Matt?
8: I'm certainly not a proponent of trying to buy that, especially off the commercials, because they certainly are going to have high fees and markups as a part of that process. And like you said, not only do you have to store it, but now you want to get cash for it. So now you got to find someplace to go deliver it and and sell it back to, which is going to cost you an additional set of fees that's really high. So finding an ETF or a mutual fund that either tries to track the performance of a specific uh, metal that you're looking for. Or you said like companies like gold miners or silver miners that are actually involved in the production of it is another way to gain exposure. Mm -hmm. But I'm always thinking is myself, if I want to get out of this, how am I going to do that and what's it going to cost me? So whatever the easiest way to do that is the route I'm going to go.
7: Yeah, and I could never just see taking those silver coins to the grocery store (laughs) and paying for something with (laughs) them.
0: (laughs) I just want it like in the movies where you open a vault and that light shines in and just glints. Scrooge
8: McDuck, he's diving and swimming (laughs) through the coins, right? Exactly,
0: exactly. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager, thank you. Thank you. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, thank you.
7: You're welcome, Danny.
0: Hidden risks that can impact your retirement goals, we're watching out for it for our clients, and we'll talk about it next. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.
4: Would you trust a part-time dentist? Then why would you trust a part-time fiduciary? Some financial professionals say they're a fiduciary, and they are part-time. The other portion of the time they're interacting with you, they might be serving other interests. Do yourself a favor. Ask your financial professional if they're a fiduciary all the time. Annex Wealth Management is. Drill down into your finances with the full-time fiduciary team at Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference.
0: Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management back with Jeff Day, branch director and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Danny. Folks, if you're feeling confident about your retirement goals but wonder what you might be missing, let's talk about some common hidden mistakes. Now, at Annex Wealth Management with our clients, we help spot those risks. But if you're a do-it-yourselfer, there could be some landmines. Quick way to get at that is to get with Annex Wealth Management. So if you listen along to this segment, think about having a fee-only fiduciary on the lookout for you. Jeff, the first thing we're going to talk about is something we're all incredibly familiar with, inflation. I don't know what the answer is for that because it's so fluid.
9: It is, and I think it's one of those things that we need to be well aware of. And unfortunately, we're getting a strong lesson, a reminder lesson, if you will, last year. And certainly when we think about financial planning as a whole, inflation is one of those factors that we need to build in to make sure that your expenses don't exceed what we're accounting for in the future. And just to drive it home, what inflation is, essentially it's the degrading of your purchasing power of your dollars. So if you're not familiar with the term inflation means, that's effectively what it is. And as time goes along, we we measure that in a percentage year-over-year. Year. And the CPI, or Consumer Price Index, is something the government issues. Basically, it gauges a, a level of inflation based upon different sectors of the industry or the economy. And it, it can erode your purchasing power in retirement, certainly. So I'll use a quick illustration to really drive the point home. So if you have $20,000 in today's dollars, and let's assume a 3% inflation adjustment year-over-year over, year, over 20 years, that same $20,000 would cost you $36,000. And so it turns into really significant dollars in the not-too-distant future and something we need to plan for and do for our clients every single day here at Wealth
0: Management. Next is a good news, bad news scenario. You have a long life but you outlived your savings. That's something we really watch out for in our planning with our clients
9: is I like to say, well, we want more money on the graph than we want life. That means our, effectively our money has outlasted us. And in my particular case, I had a grandmother that lived to be 102 Mm -hmm. and her husband lived to be 68. So I'm not sure which one I'm going to get, but I need to plan for both. And I'm at two ends of the life expectancy expectation, I guess. So I need to assume somewhere in between. And I think, you know, our current expectation is for females, we're building in the plan at age 91, life expectancy for males 86. And I always ask the question when we sit down with somebody is, you know, how do you feel about this? Do you want me to adjust it up or down? And and some people want it up. Some people say, no, let's move it down. But again, we want to make sure that we have adequately prepared for retirement. And if you have some longevity, considerations. One of the ways we can mitigate some of that is maybe delaying social security. That is a common strategy to help assuage some of that risk. And if we delay between full retirement age and age 70, we get an 8% increase
0: each year in social security. And that can be very helpful for longevity. We're with Jeff Day, branch director and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Common hidden risks that we work with our clients to uncover. Next up is healthcare, care. And again, boy, that can just sneak up on you.
9: Yeah, whether it's long-term care concerns or other health expenses, we want to make sure we have a good comfort level. And, you know, reading a study by Fidelity here, a 65-year-old couple retiring in 2021 can expect to spend an average of about $300,000 on health care expenses throughout their retirement. That's a sobering number and your mileage may vary and your experience will be different for sure, but we want to make sure we have a good assumption built into that financial plan to make sure we've accounted for that. And maybe sometimes it's looking at private insurance long-term care insurance to provide that insured benefit. Sometimes it's self-pay or self-insurance as we would like to think of it, and we just build it as a whatever advanced plan in our financial planning software to make sure we've got that accounted for and how it impacts our financial plan. Something that we often don't want to talk about is healthcare in retirement because we know health can grasp at health and its fleeting glances at us as, as we exit this life, but we want to make sure we're taken care of from all aspects and healthcare is one of those.
0: Next is something we are really familiar with, and that's market ups and downs. Yeah,
9: so 2022 is one of those case studies, a masterclass, if you will, on volatility. And if we think about the S&P being down at one point, almost 25%, and then ending for the year, 19% down, and the bond market was down uh, last year, and, and we certainly have have talked about that quite a bit and how that is relative to the last number of years, how that fares. But a lot of people, in fact, you know, this week I'm having conversations again with clients just working through, you know, what how does 2022 feel and impact our financial plan? And, you know, how we feel about it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we want to build a solid financial plan to make sure that we've accounted for those markets up and downs. Just remember that the methods that got you to where you are, maybe you're close to retirement, maybe you're in that red zone, if you will, of retirement, the methods that got you to retirement are not going to be the way you retain that wealth in retirement. It's not going to be the same widget. You know, we might have to scale back risk. We might have to look at diversification. You know, diversification can be a really solid, safe harbor against the volatility that is the market. And diversification is always at work. People don't often realize they just track the index and they look at diversification, like maybe if they have international exposure, they have small cap exposure, and they say, well, you know, the S&P maybe did better over this period of time relative to this particular index that I'm currently in. But at the end of the day, we know that we want to have exposure to all different areas of the market. And diversification can be really helpful for that. And I just demonstrate that with clients every single day here.
0: Our final point will be the fine art and science of retirement planning. Hidden risk is not being careful with your withdrawals the earliest withdrawals in retirement are the most
9: expensive. And we think about that lost earnings component on those early withdrawals in retirement. We want to make sure we have our expenses accounted for, inventoried, and well-documented and planned for. And so that's really important. Again, sequencing of those withdrawals. And then where do we draw the money from ultimately from a tax perspective is really important. And again, something we do every single
0: day here for our clients. By partnering with Annex Wealth Management, keep an eye out for you so you can do the rest of your life. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Jeff Day, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. How about trying on retirement part-time? We help our clients with that, and we're going to talk about it next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.
3: It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com.
0: Know the Difference with Annex Wealth Management, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Hi. A lot of talk about people retiring early. We also hear stories about people regretting retiring early. Do you need to go from straight up working to entirely retired? Maybe not. Maybe what you need to consider is trying it on, maybe on a part-time basis. Maybe you can call it retirement dating, and that's what we're going to talk about. Deanne, before any of these steps are in place. You got to have a plan in place.
3: You absolutely do. You need to understand your cash flows, your resources, the viability of those resources to be able to work in a tax efficient manner on your behalf
0: first suggestion for people trying retirement on in a part-time basis. Try out different retirement destinations. I know you've kind of dug into this.
3: Yeah, I really have. So especially as we get closer to a transition like retirement, we might have this vision that starts to blossom and come into fruition of what we imagine our retirement might be like. We see ourselves there. You know, maybe we've communicated that with a life partner. Maybe we haven't. If we haven't, never is too late to start that communication. (laughs) But if it involves something dramatically different than the current situation like like a change in locale, then you really need to give that some thought and try it out and not necessarily as a tourist going to a resort and spending a week there. Really immerse yourself in that different location. So you're checking out the social environment, the weather, the viability and the closeness of the resources you need. Like how easy is it to get your groceries. What's the accessibility to your health care? How are the roads if you have to drive to and from every day on this road? You know, so really checking that out. I can't tell you how many clients I've heard that have gone to different locations. And within a couple years, they said, you know what, I had no idea the traffic was this bad, or I had no idea it would be such a, a terrible plane ride just for my family to come or me to see them. And they end up moving again.
0: Next up, if you're thinking about trying out retirement on a part-time basis, play around with how you're going to use your free time. And that is a big challenge.
3: Yeah, it's how you're going to fill those 40 hours that you used to spend at work and what you see yourself doing. Are you the babysitting grandparent? And if so, what's the balance of family time and you time, right? Are you the person who likes to volunteer all the time? And what does that look like? Does taking up a hobby you never had before when you were working make your soul The thing about that that we have to be careful of in this case is sometimes we, if you're an A type personality, especially dive into that hobby full time and all of a sudden it can feel like work. How about your gardening thing? All the time. You know, so this is interesting, Danny. So I'm a master gardener volunteer. I thought this would be what I'd want to do in retirement. And I'm a ways off from retirement, but I went ahead and got my certification while I'm still working because I found that. I took a look at my budget and I was spending so much money on my own garden. And I had to do some soul searching and say, is it about my garden or just gardening? And I realized that I could volunteer. That made me happy to a public ground. I could see the fruition. I was doing the act. That was it. Hey, saves my budget and kind of taught me a little lesson about balance, too, for the future.
0: Interesting you mentioned budget. There's another suggestion is to try living with your retirement budget ahead of time. Why is that important?
3: You know, one miscalculation that we do tend to see are people thinking they're going to spend less in retirement. I mean, who really wants to cut back on their lives all of a sudden when they've got this extra time? So looking at resources, what they've saved, income and what they have left over, and maybe if they wanna leave anything for future generations, set your goals first. Understanding this exercise and knowing what you can spend is actually a powerful exercise. It gives you a powerful advantage when you're planning for retirement. It builds you up for success because you can make choices then based upon what you can spend. Now, people who start thinking about who they want to be, what they want to do, where they want to do it, who they want to do it with, it really empowers them with knowing they have the resources and they tend to start their transition into retirement on a happier note, or at least a less frustrating one.
0: Remember, happy retirement, like a happy relationship, it takes soul searching. You mentioned that earlier. That's a conversation that we have with all of our clients. What is it that you want? What, what is it that's important
3: to you? Absolutely. We're not retiring from something. We're retiring to something. And this is important no matter what age you are. You know, we have an awful lot of 40-somethings that are doing the FIRE method and want to retire early as well. Then they've got even more decades of what am I going to do to make me happy. So this is a much deeper holistic conversation than just, am I going to run out of money?
0: You know, I just read a piece recently, you know, there's this huge thing called the great resignation. That's people that retire early and then it is turned into the great regret. And you don't want that.
3: No, you definitely don't want that. And we all know people, too, who have worked, 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 retired and then passed away because they have no goals, no ideals, nothing to look forward to. So we are a social race, the human beings. We need, again, to have something to dream for, to think about, to long for, to want to do.
0: Have you heard the stories of people that have retired and then regretted it?
3: Yeah. Or, you know, also they've hugged onto their dream no matter what. Like we have people who say, okay, I'm done now. I'm getting that boat. I'm getting that RV. And they sell their house. They immerse themselves fully in this. Well, kudos for them. But then they find out, oh gosh, I'm a little seasick or that (laughs) RV breaks down all the time. I don't want to do this. Or it's hard to get my mail or now I can't see my kids. So that's why picking a location, finding a lifestyle and testing the water, kind of dating it a little bit to and through the transition of retirement can really help you settle into a happier future.
0: It's important, folks. Get a plan. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. That's what we do as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you.
3: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already more planning, less miracles. Build confidence with Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? Annex Wealth Management provides comprehensive investment and retirement planning tailored to our clients' needs. And that ranges from starting people on simple path like Annex Ignite all the way to services designed for business executives and their unique needs. And we do everything in between. Joining me, several members of the Annex team. Let's welcome back Brandon Lehman, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Good to see you, Danny. And Wealth Manager Keith Butler. Hey, Keith. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here.
10: Your background is great. You spent a lot of time working in in a lot of great areas of financial planning. But one area you and I have talked a lot about is business succession planning and some of the things Mm -hmm. you've seen there. You know what are the types of business succession planning you've seen over your career?
11: Well, I've seen pretty much the gamut. It ties hand in hand with estate planning, which was my a big background of mine. One thing is, if you have co-owners, that presents a whole unique situation because with co-owners who are not family members, they need to work together to create a plan plan for the buyout, how to fund a buyout, what triggers that, like is it death, disability. But the more interesting is a family-owned business. That opens up a whole myriad of personal and professional issues that people have to cope with. Um, you can pass it to directly, you can give it to them during lifetime, you could sell it to them, you could leave it upon death or a combination of a
10: gift and sale. When you think back to some of these different transitions you've helped guide people through over your career. What has been some of the major pitfalls you've encountered or seen people encounter as they've started to go down these roads? And you've said, well, we need to take a step back because of X, Y, or Z. What What have you seen the most common?
11: Yeah, I've been really lucky in many respects and that a lot of the transitions of business to family members have worked out really well through the luck of the draw. Uh, very successful businesses. But where I've seen a problems come up are for people that, dominated the business for example let's say you have a chef who owns a restaurant and he passes away unexpectedly all of a sudden nobody knows what to do who's in charge where I've seen the problem arise is where you have a dominant owner business and they didn't make a plan to say okay if we have an unexpected bad health event if we have a sudden death what happens who turns on the lights and I and with a real unfortunate situation with a with a restaurant that just closed for a little while and as I learned at the time, restaurants lose a lot of value if they're not sold as a golden concern.
0: Talking about business succession planning, joined by Brandon Lehman, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, and a brand new member of the Annex team, Keith Butler. When you think about it
10: from a valuation standpoint, at what time and what is the best way? Is it annually start looking at valuations of the firms? Is it every couple of years? When should firms and, and business owners start looking at valuation and actually start even this whole process?
11: That's a great question and particularly the case where you have unrelated co-owners who have some sort of a buyout agreement, stock redemption agreement they're often called, cross-purchase agreement. I recommend every three years looking at it, unless there's been an event. There may be an event that caused the business to go up in value or decrease in value, unfortunately, over that time. So I would say every three years would be a rule of thumb without something else intervening.
10: When you think about this, so, so every three years, family transitions, At what time should somebody sit down? At what point in their career should they sit down and actually start this planning? Because I have encountered over my career a lot of folks who come to us and they're like, I want to retire next year. And I feel like that's a little late in the game to start the business transition process. When is the best time to start that? Um, The day after you open your business? (laughs)
11: Literally, uh, it's something you need to think about immediately. And especially if, again, if we go back to a family-owned business, you definitely want to get that planning done, and you want to have communication. Because one thing I found is that people are often surprised by their family, and it can be in either direction. I've seen business owners fret and fret because, oh my gosh, I, I, I think Brandon should run my company, but what is his sister going to think? And then when you finally have the conversation after fretting about it for three years, she's like, yeah, of course he runs it. On the other hand, you may be able to unearth some problems you didn't dream existed. You may be thinking, ah, they're, they get along great, everything will be fine. Whereas when you have the conversation, you flesh out some things that really then need to be
10: addressed. So there, there's no time that's too soon. That That's certainly true. You know, lastly, th- there's a lot of considerations that go into this from value, from timing, from all of those aspects of it. But what are some of the key considerations that you say if you're talking to a, a new client that is the most important things to consider right now? I would
11: say, especially if this is a unrelated owner's how do you want to value this thing? Because the first instinct is, hey, if I decide to leave, I helped build this company. I want to get my value out. But maybe it's not you that's the one that's leaving. So if you leave a valuation, if you just leave during lifetime, that's too high. It may be a real burden on the business or the surviving shareholder uh, to buy out. So I think that's one of the biggest things right there is to talk about what are these triggering events? Leave, just leave voluntarily. You retire. You die. Because there can be a very different answer as to how you value it. For instance, for death, you have life insurance. So there's a way of funding it. You can't buy
0: insurance for somebody just leaving. Good stuff. Keith Butler is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. And as you've heard, significant experience guiding the unique needs of business executives, company owners. Keith, thank you for joining us. A pleasure. And Brandon Lehman, wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Danny. Like it or not, you are a media-consuming machine chased all day by headlines, texts, emails, on the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. News about market volatility and uncertainty could lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report increased stress about their investment and retirement plans. This isn't a time to be frozen in place. Take action. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side. Build a plan that will help cut through the noise. We'll provide comprehensive investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Let Annex do a deep dive on your portfolio, offer unbiased advice with Wealthmetric, and work to create a solid plan for you and your family. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. It only takes a couple of minutes, in person or online. It's time to take action and know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Quick reminder, this show is going to be on Spotify at the top of the hour. If you came in partway through it or if you want to hear the whole thing again, that's great. It's available as a podcast. I'm Danny Clayton. Now joined in the studio by Mark Beck, our chief growth officer. Hello. How there? Amy Kiscola a wealth strategist and estate planning attorney. Welcome to you. Thank you. you got some interesting stuff to talk about.
5: We certainly do. You know, estate planning and tax planning, two topics we've been spending a lot of time with clients on lately. And there's a couple of really good reasons for that. One is there have been a lot of rule changes that impact tax planning. And number two is there are also a certain set of rules that we call the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that is set to sunset at the end of 2025, therefore reverting to old rules starting in 2026. This has implications not only for your income tax, but a significant potential cliff in terms of estate tax and it deals with the exemption amount that's applicable for those folks that have accumulated fairly substantial estates, and it requires some advanced planning, potentially, if this really comes to fruition. So, Amy, let's talk a little bit about you know what we're talking about here in terms of the setback that potentially occurs, and then we can talk about some strategies that people could start to consider.
12: So, currently... Uh we can each of us can leave almost $13 million worth of assets either during our lifetime or at our, or at our death without paying any gift or estate tax. That's a pretty big amount. Now, in, beginning in 2026, if the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunsets, it's scheduled to be, what's going to happen is that, that exemption amount is going to get cut roughly in half. So it might be closer to 6 to $7 million at that point. So yes, for clients that have accumulated some significant wealth, that can be a really big deal.
5: In the setback from, you know, almost 13, you know, and we're going to head back to probably six-ish in that ballpark. So significantly more people would then be subject to the potential to pay estate tax, right? So now we start to think about, well, what are some strategies that we could put in place now To potentially get ahead of this issue, right? So one of the ways we think about that is, is there a technique by which we could lock in this higher exemption amount that's currently in place? And there is one possibility we could consider.
12: There is. It is called a Spousal Lifetime Access Trust. It's also affectionately known as a SLAT. That's the acronym. And what it is, it's a way to use some of that large exemption amount that we have right now by making gifts today, but still giving some flexibility to our planning.
5: So the gift locks in the exemption amount because we made that gift now. We would file the appropriate gift tax return to memorialize this in the eyes of the IRS. And The way that this can be really beneficial is between married spouses.
12: That's right, that's right. So let's assume for the example, Mark, that we're married. Uh, What I can do is I can set up a trust, an irrevocable trust. I can make a large gift up to that roughly $13 million exemption if I really wanted to and put it into that trust where you, in fact, can be one of the beneficiaries of the trust. So what I've done is I've locked in that exemption amount today, made the gift, but still given us some flexibility because you have the ability to have some level of access over those assets.
5: So I can potentially use the assets or the income and maintain my lifestyle and you know for my health and maintenance and wealth and those sorts of things.
12: You can, you can. Now keep in mind what we're trying to do is we're trying to get assets out of our estate. So we're probably gonna want to use our other bucket of assets that would otherwise be subject to tax. But you're right, if we need to, you can tap into that that slat.
5: Most beneficial if I don't need to use that money because then we've transferred that all and it stays inside that trust and hopefully grows from this point forward, right? And True benefit is the fact that we have utilized the high exemption amount to make that gift into the trust now while that is still in place.
12: Yes. And the, be- the benefit you mentioned married couples, you can actually set one of those up for me so that, that I also have that access. We don't know what life's going to bring. We don't know who's going to die first. Um, so having, that, having each spouse have that level of access can be, can be beneficial. And you have to be real careful, like the IRS wants to make sure you followed certain formalities and don't make it too similar. Uh, but certainly with really careful planning, that can be done.
5: Perfect example of the types of in-depth planning that we do with that segment of clients, where the estate and the financial issues and the tax issues reach a certain degree of complexity, where we need to surround them with a team that can execute on these types of advanced strategies.
0: Amy Kiskala, a wealth strategist and an estate planning attorney, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mark Becker, Chief Growth Officer. Thank you. Glad to be here. Complex stuff we're talking about, but you know what? Life is complex. Situations are complex. You need a really strong guide to get you through. It's Annex Wealth Management. Click that Get Started button. For the next six months, the next year and beyond, let's get you ready for it. See what we can do for you. See you next Sunday at noon. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.